Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Well, welcome once again. This is Judge Jim Gray, and I'm just welcoming you wherever you are in our great country, actually around the world as well. Uh, We are talking about All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. I've actually released a book of the same title, uh, All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray, and talk about numbers of different issues. Uh, It's available at Amazon. You can find it if you go to uh, judgejimgray.com and click on it. But uh, this is actually my 91st weekly broadcast. Uh, We began the first broadcast of All Rise back on April 19th of of 2019. It's been on every Friday morning at 7 o'clock Pacific and 10 o'clock Eastern time ever since that time. Uh, And you can listen forever on demand by going to www.voiceamerica.com backslash show backslash the numbers 3883. But this is going to be my farewell. Uh, This is all things come to an end. Uh, I think that this is appropriate. I've been doing this, as I say, for uh, 91 straight weeks. But uh, I was so in thinking of this, I was contemplating what to say. Uh, First of all, I have to say thank you for joining us uh, one time, all times, whatever. It's been an honor for me to be able to share thoughts with you. It's also been fun and it's been an education. I hope that you have found an education out of our various programs as well. Uh, I keep saying I do not have all the answers, and of course I prove that with regularity, but the theme is that if we do adopt these libertarian approaches, open and honest discussion, responsibility, financial responsibility, getting rid of our deficits, live and let live, live your life as you wish, uh, we will all rise together. And by the way, I must give appropriate thanks to Larry Sharp, who was my running mate when I was running for the nomination for president as a libertarian. He's from New York, but he was the one that came up with the term all rise. And of course, as you know, when a judge takes the bench, usually the first time that day, the bailiff says all rise and everybody stands up, but, and that's, it's kind of fun. Uh, and then, but you can use this term as well in a double way that we will all rise together, which is exactly what we will do if we use those libertarian values. So lots of bad things have been happening in our world. We know that we get hit in the face with them pretty much all the time from the media, but there's a lot of good that's almost always going on as well, mostly through individuals. If you look at it, see what's going on positively in the world today. It's the private sector, the private foundations, the individuals, uh, and the free market market system is presenting good, effective products for numbers of people. Milton Friedman said, and I've mentioned this numbers of times as I look back over our All Rise editions, Milton Friedman says that we simply must start judging our programs by their results, not their good intentions. And again, the strongest things you can think of there is, well, minimum wage laws. Well, as a result of minimum wage laws, which feel good. Oh, I'm doing something. Oh, I'm going to help the downtrodden. Well, you're going to help a few of the downtrodden, but a lot of people are going to lose their jobs because at the moment they're not worth $10 an hour. And so they will lose their jobs and, and you can't make progress on the economic ladder until you get on the first rung. So these are things that people just need to focus upon. Same thing with regard to, oh, rent control. Sounds good. Oh, my rent is too high, so we should artificially reduce the amount that the landlord can charge. Well, that results in fewer apartments being available because people can't make as much of a profit on that money. So they'll put it, take out their apartment building and put in a parking lot or, or something of that fashion. So we need the libertarian approaches. Of course, we have to have controls. We need child labor laws. We need, you know, antitrust laws and the rest. But uh, I'm going to ask you, what I'm going to do for the moment is, you might want to take out a pen and paper, and I'm going to give you back over these last 91 uh, weeks, where we have been and where you can go to get a lot of authority as to what's going on. It was uh, Alec de Tocqueville, 
who had a, a comment that, that really everybody should understand. And that comment was, one of the happiest consequences of the absence of government is the development of individual strength that inevitably follows. Let me read it again. Alex, Alexis de Tocqueville, one of the happiest consequences of the absence of government is the development of individual strength that inevitably follows. If you want to find someone that has profited from relying on the government, said Henry Ford, you ought to talk to the American Indian. You know, the American Indian are at the bottom of most socioeconomic ladders, and they have had this Bureau of Indian Affairs for how many, you know, 200 years, and look what it's done for them. You know, it simply doesn't work. Reliance upon the government doesn't work. Milton Friedman again would say that, hey, if you're waiting for these angels of government to lead us out of poverty, to help us, where have they been so far? It's always, oh, we will do this in the future. Has it worked in the past? You look at our war on poverty, began with Lyndon Johnson in the 1960s, 65, uh, we're a lot worse shape in, in so many ways as to that since that time. Uh, you go to the welfare system, which so strongly encourages, for example, young women, single women to have children because then they can have their own household. And of course, it, it pays a lot deal less if in fact the father of their children are living with them. Uh, welfare, you get a lot more if you're living on your own. So they encourages harmful social results. And this is what we're, what we're seeing all over the place. So let me share with you my view of the tragedy of the commons. We've talked about that here in All Rise in various ways, but the tragedy of the commons, the example I use is, and I think it, it speaks well with regard to socialism as opposed to the free enterprise system. Back in the covered wagon days, let's say they were on the Oregon Trail, and these covered wagons would come across a grove of wild orange trees and there'd be oranges on the trees and they would stop and they'd pick them off and probably take more than they wanted. But if we don't, we might as well because somebody else will. So they move on. So the next wagon train comes and they take all of the ripe oranges and then probably a lot of the green ones as well. But why not? If we don't, somebody else will, and we can always feed them to our oxen. So then the next wagon trains come along and well, there aren't any, 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 uh, oranges on the trees, but we might as well cut down. We can use the firewood. So pretty soon there's no orange trees left or apple trees or whatever you're going to be talking about. What would happen instead if these apple trees, orange trees were owned by you or by another person and they could sell the oranges, the apples to the wagon tra train people coming across? What would happen? Well, they'd be a reasonable price and people would only buy what they could use. And so there'd be more apples, more oranges for everyone. And the owner would have an incentive to prune the trees, to weed around them, to, to fertilize them, to make sure that then there would be apples, oranges for everyone pretty much for the rest of time. It's the tragedy of the commons. If I don't take it, somebody else will. It's free. And we see that in fishing around the world. We see that with regard to plunder of natural resources, etc. So if you want to really see how this can work, I would ask you to do yourselves a favor as well as your children and to read the essay called I Pencil. And it's, it's uh, written, I'm trying to, <laughs> written by a man named Leonard Reed, great name, R-E-A-D, back in the 1950s, I Pencil. And he and Milton Friedman also take the position that no one in the world, no one in the history of the world could be able to make a pencil by him or herself. Why? Well, because you have wood, you have the you have the lead, it's actually graphite. You have the little metal holder for the eraser. You have the eraser itself. You have the paint. No one would be able to be able to put all of those things together. It's individuals acting in their own economic self-interest that provide the wood. Maybe it's brought in from the state of Washington. Then you ship the graphite from somewhere in, in Africa, wherever. You have all of these people working in harmony. No one, no consortium, no government is ordering them to do it, but they profit from their labors. Imagine if you're going to cut down the trees to make the, the pencils, you know, how are you going to put together the saw, you know, the metal in the saw, the workers in the saws? All of that come together because of the free market system. And it's really sensational. By the way, I wonder how in heaven's name can you take that little drill and make make a drill up the, the little wood of the pencil uh, to insert the graphite? I mean, just that alone would take a, a great deal of effort. So we have all of those things coming together, including the, the lighthouse keeper that's just 
escorting the uh, the ships into safely into the harbor. So you have this in the free market system that cannot be beaten at all with regard to government involvement. So you have, unfortunately, you have a system here. Thomas Sowell said it best, where the first rule of economics is to understand scarcity. And scarcity means, of course, that there's never enough quality goods and services to match the demand. So you have a scarcity, you have a price system, then we'll, we'll match that out. But he also said that the first rule of politics is to ignore the first rule of economics. Unfortunately, I think that libertarians, and I certainly am one, don't get elected because we respect the first rule of economics and do not respect the first rule of, of politics. But, but this is why I think libertarians have not gotten elected. I talked to you about a pen and paper. We've had some really intelligent, articulate, knowledgeable people as my guests here on All Rise over this past year and something. And one of them recently, it was October 16th of 2020, was Nick Sarwark. And he was talking about that control, about what do you do when people, for example, get the short straw? Well, do you help them? Well, libertarians understand, and I believe this as well, just because I'm alive does not mean you owe me anything. I, I could be bleeding on the street right under your feet, and you would not have any legal obligation to help me unless you help cause my injuries. That would be different, but we will because we want to, because we are compassionate people. So we have the government in marketplace and, and I, I defy you, I've asked this probably six or seven times now on All Rise, have you ever seen the government intrude into the marketplace where you didn't have a result of the prices really going up and the quality of the goods and services going down? And that's traceable, obviously, in the healthcare system. We had Dr. Clark Smith, who was talking about medical savings accounts, getting the government out of our medical uh, Healthcare. That was on May the 3rd of 2019, quite a while ago. But you can call up any of these on demand, just like I was saying, voiceamerica.com backslash show backslash 3883 and put in May 3rd of 2019 and listen to Clark Smith, Dr. Clark Smith, discuss medical savings accounts or Dr. Tom Graydon talking about the good, the bad and the ugly of psychiatry. Really interesting show. That was on September 20th of 2019. Education. I mean, you see how the prices have gone up in education and the quality of education down because of government involvement. We had Robert Enlow, who is the uh, director of Ed Choice, which took over from Dr. Milton Friedman, used to be called the Friedman Foundation, but that was on August the 2nd of 2019, talking about school choice, talking about what is happening, talking about those benefits. You might want to take, go back and pay a visit to that. Also, Scott Bullock of the uh, uh, Institute for Justice. He was on June the 7th of 2019. They're a force with regard to school choice. And Mayor Kurt Schmoke, more recently, August 28th of 2020, what a leader, what a true inspirational leader. He was the mayor of Baltimore and talked about school choice and implemented it, as well as Cecilia Iglesias. She was interviewed here on All Rise on March the 13th, 2020. And she lost her job, basically, because she went up against the, the public employees unions, and they had a movement to, uh, to have her actually uh, recalled from her city council office. But private foundations do it better than people. Don't, excuse me, do it better than government. We had so many people from the private foundations. It's just exhilarating to see these good things that were happening. Uh, Doctors Without Borders. I mean, what a fantastic group. Karen Stewart, back in February 21 of 2020. Go listen to him. Uh, Jim Doty who's the ch president of Chapman University. I called him probably one of the most successful people I've ever met. Uh, he's been on a couple of times, August 16 of 2019 and March 20th of 2020, just sharing his philosophy on how you can be a successful administrator. Certainly you make everybody on the team, and he wouldn't take any credit for anything, but uh, my goodness, how successful. Uh, Ron Kohut, who was a friend of mine, talking about the Nepal Children's Fund, done privately, helping with helping with nutrition in, in Nepal, which was abysmal, but they're really making progress. That was on May the 10th of 2019. Uh, the Veterans Legal Institute, helping our vets, helping them with their various legal issues. Antoinette Balta was with us, June 14th, 2019. The Death Penalty Watch, uh, actually, uh, I was always a fan of MASH. Uh, and Mike Farrell was BJ Honeycutt on MASH. Now, 
hugely involved with death penalty, trying to get that repealed. He's right. It doesn't work from anyone's philosophical standpoint. That was back on May 31st of 2019. I know I'm going on and on, but it's been it's been fun. It's been an education. We have to be able to discuss these various issues. Um, David Knott, with regard to Reason Foundation, Reason Magazine, uh, the wonderful work that they do, a libertarian magazine. He was the day after the 4th of July, it's July 5, 2019. Students for Liberty, it was uh, July 26, 2019. My favorite charity among many good ones is Nature Conservancy. They are involved with helping people understand what happens when you exploit the, 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 the land inappropriately. They're working with regard to coral reefs. Uh, they're working, they actually, even in the COVID virus, there were several countries uh, in Africa that uh, they were trying, they had these park rangers trying to keep down the poaching of the rhinoceros, etc. cetera. Uh, they didn't have the money because they weren't getting the, ter the uh, tourism. So the Nature Conservancy is actually paying those park rangers out of their own pocket to continue trying to keep the poaching down in those countries. You don't have governments doing things like that. Uh, so Nature Conservancy, Liz Harvey, uh, November 15th, 2019. It goes on and on. Heifer International, though, I have to mention uh, Chris Coyon back in January 10th of 2020. They provide flocks of chickens or herd of goats or whatever to impoverish people. They start at the bottom up and then they teach them, in effect, animal husbandry. They teach them about banking and they also show them how, in fact, they can improve their quality of life, their nutrition by drinking the goat milk, uh, selling it publicly, uh, selling some of the meat, etc. They're down at the bottom our government, of course, as we all seen, oh my goodness, our government provides lots of money to the governments of these other countries, and then that results almost directly in the leaders of those countries driving in Mercedes automobiles and opening Swiss bank accounts. No, you need to use the private foundations that can do this. Another one, and I, I'm just getting excited about this, but Open Gate International, uh, Judy Lamborn, uh, October 25, 2019, Open Gate takes people that have been sexually trafficked, that have just been released from prison, that are maybe finished their drug rehab, and they teach them to become chefs, teach them the culinary arts, and they do it for free. It's a 12-week program. Uh, they find their, their sponsors, but they, they offer this for free for these people, and they're successful about 80% of the time with somebody having a job in the culinary arts upon completion of the program. I mean, my goodness sakes, what do you want that is better than these public these private foundations. So these are things that are working. We are all rising together, employing these values. One more I have to mention, and that was uh, Lori Burns, who was actually involved, sexually trafficked herself, was involved with being a drug addicted, and she was in a foster, foster care throughout her life until she was 18, when she was simply turned out. Uh, but she has now started various foundations, the teen project, where they actually have like 150 beds for young ladies that were sexually trafficked, teaching them, mentoring them, and helping them get on with their lives, made of gold, wonderful things. But the, the government had, has, in a lot of ways, messed things up. They get things wrong. You know, we look at medical marijuana with Dr. Greg Smith, telling how the government has frustrated marijuana as a medicine, and it truly is from my standpoint. I've never used marijuana, but but I'm convinced that the CBD oil and the combination with the THC, listen to Dr. Greg Smith, very knowledgeable of pain management on July the 12th, 2019. And then something I cannot get out of my mind. Uh, I interviewed on here on All Rise, Justin Brooks. He's an attorney, the director of the Innocence Project in San Diego. That was back in November 8th of 2019. But he says he has been doing this. You can listen to him. He mentioned it, and I cannot get it out of my mind. He said that he himself has been doing this work for the last 20 years. And during that time, he himself has walked 29 people out of state prison who were factually innocent, factually innocent, had been incarcerated for a very long time. This, we even have one person nationwide who is factually innocent. That's an atrocity. He himself has walked out 29. These are things that are, must be done, must be addressed. The government has somehow or other done it wrong for lots of reasons 
war on drugs has created these and caused these. And then you get into, we call it a Dr. Sam Sugar. This was more recently on July 17th of 2020. Uh, he's a medical doctor in Florida, but he encountered the court system with regard to setting up trusts and conservatorships for people. And he says that there is so much abuse. They've started a program all around the country. I myself have been so concerned about this from having listened to him. I personally wrote as a retired judge from the Orange County Superior Court in California, wrote a letter to all of the 52 presiding judges in the Superior Courts around the state of California, just telling them to give added scrutiny. That if in fact there is so much money there, if it is just being wrongly taken from these people, we need to look into this. These are things that we need to do. And then talk about the government messing things up, getting it wrong. Uh, we interviewed Scott Horton, who is an author. He wrote the book called A Fool's Errand. We interviewed him on uh, July 19th of 19, uh, 2019. And he said, and I'd never heard of this before, but that the CIA, and he documented these with footnotes, the CIA led the former Soviet Union into invading Afghanistan. And that, uh, you know, we gave them in effect their Vietnam and Afghanistan is tribal. The tribes don't get along with each other there. Nothing unifies the tribes in Afghanistan except when a foreign invader comes in, tries to occupy the country, then they unify to kick out the foreign invader. That's what happened with regard to the Soviet Union being kicked out eventually of Afghanistan. That was the beginning of the end of the Soviet Union. Then he says that Osama bin Laden, he said this here on All Rise, he said that Osama bin Laden, of course, was from Saudi Arabia, but he wanted to lure the United States into Afghanistan for the same reason. So he actually placed himself and his al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. It wasn't the Afghan government that did 9-11 and, and flew those uh, airplanes into our buildings. It was, it was Osama bin Laden, but they kind of knew what was going on. And he lured our troops into Afghanistan as that fool's errand. And look what's happened since that time. So we're still there. I don't think anyone in our government, in our country today, could say what our goals are for our troops still in Afghanistan. But Scott Horton kind of blew the whistle on that one. Yes, the government does get it right sometime, even in the court system. We employed what we call peer court, where we help mentor our young people with actual real juvenile delinquency cases. Uh, Owen Creditor was interviewed on October 11th of 2019 about peer court. And if you would be interested, you can come to my website, judgejimgray.com, and I will show you how, in fact, you can uh, start a peer court in your own neighborhood. It's really quite successful, not only for the subject and the subject's parents, but we also have something like eight to 12 student jurors, uh, students on the jury. They ask questions, they give and take, and we also have maybe another 50 students sitting in the audience, and they all start thinking, well, my goodness, you know, what do I want my life to look like 10 years from now? What am I doing now to accomplish those worthwhile goals? Well, is shoplifting for this other friend going to help me do that? So we, we analyze what they're doing. They agreed with me at the eventual, eventually at the end that there's no such thing as peer pressure. That no, you know, you're the captain of your ship. Nobody can make you do something, ditch school, smoke marijuana, whatever. You are the captain of your ship. You do what you want and, and you're responsible for it. We also had a judge, Mary Kreber, K-R-E-B-E-R, -E -E uh, who's involved now in Orange County, California, with our drug courts, with our community courts. She was interviewed, went through these things, just, just wonderful things to know about that are going right in our society. That was on August 23rd of 2019. Uh, so we talk about military courts, veterans courts, uh, trying to attack, understanding the reason for these various crimes and trying to help people get away from them. So this is what we've been doing here on All Rise. Uh, we've gotten involved with religion. We have project understanding. In fact, go to that project, P-R-O hyphen J-E-C-T understanding.com, where we focus on the commonalities among the world's great religions. Uh, we've had several from the Christianity, uh, David Householder of uh, November 22, 2019. Uh, we've had Dr. Gail Stearns, September 13, 2019. We've had uh, Dr. Uh, Musmel Siddiqui, he was, of course, of the Muslim faith or Islam on September 6th, 2019. Rabbi Reuven Mintz, 
December 20, 2019, talking about the commonalities among the world's religions. Go to projectunderstanding.com. We talk about these things on All Rise. And more recently, on October 2nd of 2020, we had Dr. Ferstel Bethel, uh, who's of the Baha'i Baha faith, very interesting. I didn't almost know anything about the Baha'i faith until we interviewed Dr. Bethel. I think you would be interested in that as well. It is a religion that is strongly persecuted still today in Iran, which is where the, the Baha'i faith originated. Why? Because they analyze, because they don't believe in indoctrinating people. They want people to analyze for themselves. I don't think the government of Iran wants people to analyze on their own in any fashion. So this is what we've been doing. I call this show, the, my last show with here on All Rise, the label is going to be optimism. Lots and lots of good things are going on. We should be aware of them. We should talk about them and be proud of them. So that's where we are. We'll come back after these messages and I will finish with my uh, last few half hour segment here on All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Gray. Again, appreciating you as a family member being involved with us. And uh, please stay tuned and for our final thoughts. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States. And we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit lp.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. We are Americans You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back again. This is Judge Jim Gray. This is the final segment of our All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. I'm a little bit emotional about it. It's been a real pleasure and honor to share thoughts with you. I've gotten some feedback, too. If you want to give feedback, go to JudgeJimGray.com. It's my website, and you can communicate with me directly. I always respond to people that do this. May I also take this opportunity to thank the VoiceAmerica.com team. They're professionals. They're really helpful. They're dedicated. And, and certainly uh, none of this could have happened without him. So, so thanks to all of you. And uh, as I said, and you've all heard me throughout various times, uh, I try to inject a little bit of silliness, intentional silliness, that is, here at this part of the show. And uh, going back, I think that the two best little sillinesses that I threw at you. One was the best play on words that I think I have ever heard. I've said it before on All Rise, but I'm in a retroactive here, so I'm going to go back through it again. What do you get when you mix an elephant and a rhinoceros? What do you get when you mix an elephant and a rhinoceros? And the answer is elephino. I love that. I get some, get some chuckles. I wonder if my, if my, uh, engineer is chuckling right now, but uh, one way or the other, I hope that I can hear some chuckling coming back over the lines uh, right now. And the other is, uh, what do you call a cow that's just given birth? I like this one as well. What do you call a cow that's just given birth? And of course, the answer is decaffeinated. So there we be. Uh, I'm going to go back and give a few more thoughts with regard to past shows, because we've had some truly inspirational, insightful libertarian leaders. Uh, one is Nick Sarwark, who's just 
finished stepping down as the executive director of the National Libertarian Party. I interviewed him twice. So once was on August the 9th, 2019, and then again on in, uh, October 16th of 2020. Uh, my running mate, Larry Sharp from New York, a really bright guy, a really intelligent, articulate fellow. He has his own podcast. It's called The Sharp Way. Sharp is S-H-A-R-P-E. You can find it. You will be really affected beneficially by doing that. He was interviewed by me on the 31st of January, 2020, on June 26, 2020, and then again on October 23, 2020. Uh, Dan Fishman, who's an executive officer of the Libertarian Party, very bright man, uh, on April 17, 2020. Uh, the Libertarian candidate for president in 2020, Dr. Joe Jorgensen, was interviewed by me twice. Once was on May 20th of 2020, and then again on August 21st, 2020, as well as her running mate, uh, Spike Cohen, in the recent election. That was on September 18th of 2020. So we, we have these people. I've already talked to you about the religion. Uh, overall, just bright and insightful people. I cannot stop this this mention of my guests without going to Tom Campbell, who was a former member of Congress, one of the most intelligent insightful people that I know. He actually wrote the preface for my book, All Rise of the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray, which I very much appreciated. But he was a two-time guest as well on May the 24th, 2019, and on May 15th, 2020. You will really appreciate his insights and his uh, his his knowledge and articulateness. Uh, the, the drug war, uh, Steve Downing, the former assistant chief of police of the Los Angeles Police Department was interviewed by me here on All Rise on August the 7th, 2020. And one of the original ones was Neil Franklin, who was the executive director of what is called LEAP. It used to be called Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. I've been a member forever. It's a speakers group, but that's evolved so much that now, because it's so interrelated with so many other things, a LEAP is called Law Enforcement Action Partnership. But he was interviewed by us on All Rise on April the 26th of 2000. And 19. So yes, I'm saying that I am optimistic. If we can get these words out, we can debate, we can discuss, we can do anything. What is the Libertarian Party? Well, we've been talking around it, we've been talking about it for all 91 sessions, but basically, again, my efforts were uh, go to judgejimgray.com, go to the various articles, I wrote what I call one man's libertarian white paper. Uh, and it talks about who the winners would be and who the losers would be under a libertarian addressing form of government, as opposed to what's going on now. And what we see all around us, particularly, I'm sorry, with the Republicans and Democrats, it's a politics of fear. They want people to be afraid. They cultivate that fear. Like we said in the uh, interview we had with the uh, uh, Art Pedroza recently, uh, we, we have people focusing upon that. Will we ever end up with any politician saying, okay, the war on terror is over. We don't need the so-called uh, Patriot Act anymore because the threat is over. They will never say that. They always make progress politically on fear. But again, if you understand that in politics, reality is irrelevant. Libertarians pretty much understand this, but many people have not focused on it. In politics, reality is irrelevant. It's only the voters' perception of reality that matters. And so they all say, oh, we're going to reduce this and, and uh, we'll reduce the cost, the power, the intrusion of government. But no, they don't do it. And if you go back to Milton Friedman, if you're looking for all of these angels of government, they only make promises today. Do they deliver? No, they have not delivered. Do have... But they keep getting elected and reelected. So if you go to what is a libertarian, I cite Thomas Jefferson, who's the prototype libertarian from my standpoint. And he said, and I've quoted it before, and please listen again, because I don't care if you worship one God, 20 gods, or no God. It doesn't pick my pocket, and it doesn't break my leg. Live and let live. You know, you should, as your, and this is what a libertarian government would do, 
the Republicans and Democrats and all the other political parties, from my standpoint, want to control you. They want to take your rights. They want to take your resources. And then, of course, in their largesse, they'll give us back some, uh, not, not nearly enough. But libertarians want you to control your life as much as possible. Of course, we need laws. Of course, we need to enforce contracts. Of course, we need child labor laws. And we need safety in the workplace. Of course, we need those things. But we would reduce the cost, the power, the intrusion of government. I've told you earlier, and I did this in the libertarian uh, debates, that I became a granddaddy on April the 22nd of 2020. And on five days later, on April 27th, I for the first time held my grandson, Hudson. And I looked down at him and thought, my goodness, what a miracle child, what a miracle of birth. And the second thing that occurred to me is, okay, Hudson, with the nation's federal deficit, you owe $73,000 pay up. And of course, now Hudson is quite well known in libertarian circles, but we are the only people that represent the Hudsons of this world. We represent him in his future. Someone, this, these this deficit spending is going to come home to roost. I'll be okay. Many of you will be okay as well, but our children and grandchildren are in trouble and it's only the libertarians that really speak for them. It's the same thing with regard to the military. My goodness sakes, we have in our military, they have an absolute right, an absolute right to know be assured that if we send them into harm's way, if we send them into battle zones, it is to protect our national interests, it is to protect our national security. But nobody speaks up for them. Libertarians do. Libertarians would require, hey, remember the Constitution of the United States of America? Article 1, Section 8 says that it's Congress and only Congress that can, in effect, declare war. It's not the president. It's not these War Powers Acts where Congress has abrogated its responsibility back to the president, where the president can do whatever he or hopefully eventually she deems appropriate. No, no. If you were to have actually required Congress to issue a declaration of war, I believe we never would have gone into Iraq. We would have required Congress to look at questions like who is the who is the enemy? Where is the enemy? What is the threat to our country? How will we know? when we have accomplished, what are our goals? How will we know when we've accomplished them? And by the way, as well, what about the ammunition dumps? Are we gonna just expose them to the terrorists? All of these sorts of things with regard to planning, it didn't happen because we didn't require a declaration of war from Congress. We should give that back. The welfare system is a victimization. Henry Ford said it best, anyone that feels they can thrive by relying on the government should talk to the American Indian. It's really all you have to do. We care about people. We want to have a safety net. I, as a libertarian, believe that we should have a safety net. It's Milton Friedman's negative income tax, but I would, for example, and I've mentioned this several times on All Rise, uh, put in a safety net wherein anyone that's here of 18 years of age or older who is a citizen or have a green card here legally with a green card who makes no money would receive, for example, $15,000 uh, a year broken into monthly payments of $1,250. But all importantly, for every dollar that that person would make earn between zero and $30,000, that person would lose 50 cents of the stipend. So the person would always have a vested interest and in, in, an incentive to earn the extra dollar. So then, at, as you can imagine, you mathematics whizzes out there, the at $30,000 is where you would receive no stipend, you'd also pay, more, pay no taxes. But then do away with all of this other welfare, except for people with truly special needs. And so the welfare system is intrusive, it's expensive, it's bureaucratic, and it's demeaning. And you have people who have a vested interest in not working, even if you could. I've used the example of my daughter, who is, I love her truly, she is bipolar, and I tried to find her a job, actually with VLI, where I mentioned before, Veterans Legal Institute, and I told them behind her back that if you give her a job and pay her $12 an hour, I will pay you $15 an hour. But we quickly found out that if she were to work more than 10 hours a week, she would lose more in her benefits than she'd gain by working. So she has an incentive not to work. Same thing with the COVID-19 virus where people are getting unemployment checks for staying home. Of course, I'm fearful of going back to work because I'm paid to stay home. That's true in the court system. It's true in a lot of, of uh, 
government offices, we need to get incentives where they should be. And incentives today are, like I said earlier in this program, if you have an incentive to have a child, uh, be it unmarried, uh, you will probably have more children. And you have an incentive for the father of your children not to live in your household, which is true in our welfare system, then we're having lots and lots of single mothers getting pregnant uh, all around the country. It is harbored, it is caused in many ways by the welfare system. So Thomas Jefferson again said, most bad government is a result of too much government. Government is too big today, too much. For example, this should hit you between the eyes. We have something called the Bureau of Land Management. It is a federal agency, and they are overseeing so much of the land today in our country. For example, it's my understanding that 85% of all of the land in Nevada, in the state of the entire state of Nevada, is governed, is run by the BLM. Now look, this happened with all Western states. California, it's a high percentage. I'm not sure, 25 to 30% of all the land is run by the federal government. It should be returned to the states. It should be returned to the states along with, I would give the recommendation, I think libertarians would give the recommendation that it be auctioned off to the private sector. And the reason for that is, ask yourself the question, who takes better care of a house, an owner or a renter? And that's transparent because if the owner doesn't take care of it, the property values will go down. If the renter doesn't take care of it, eh, just moves on to the next house or doesn't really care. Look back to the Bureau of Indian Affairs. We talked about that with Henry Ford, but most of these military Indian reservations, they cannot, the people there cannot own their own home. It's owned jointly by the, by the tribe. Therefore, they have no incentive to fix it up. I'm sure many of you, like I, have driven through Indian reservations, and boy, these houses just look really plain vanilla. They're just uninteresting, just bland. Why? Well, because the people have no incentive to fix them up because they don't own them. Same thing if you want to start your own business. You or I, mostly, unless we're Native Americans, could take a rent, take a mortgage on our home in order to get some seed money to start your small business. But if you don't own it, you can't do it. So the private sector works so much better. So get this land away from the BLM and back to the states. Again, with the recommendation, you take 10% of it and auction off 10% of it each year for 10 years to the private sector. They will take better care of it. If you ask yourself the question, if you are an owner of grazing land, who takes better care, the lessor or the lessee? Well, particularly at the end of that grazing land time period, uh, you're going to overgraze it like crazy because uh, you, you, you can gain and not lose anything by taking advantage of the land. And by the way, this is not talking about our national parks. It's not talking about military areas, not even talking about national forests. It's just talking about the property that is overseen by the BLM. Look, let's go to the Constitution. I'm proud to say that I, with two other, two other colleagues, have written a musical called Convention, the Birth of America. And it's about the Constitutional Convention in 1787. By the way, one of my colleagues on that was a man named Steve Lawless, who I interviewed, and he actually played the piano for us on August the 14th of 2020. Uh, you can actually hear the songs for convention on my website. I've written two musicals. Go to judgejimgray.com, click on, um, on uh, convention, and listen to the music. But uh, it is given rise to a couple of friends of mine. I gave them the CD for the music for convention, and I'm proud to say that they really liked it, and they have now joined with me in a new podcast that we're putting out there, be on YouTube and social media, called Becoming America. And in fact, Dr. Joellen Chatham and Mr. Bijan Keen, Kean and I are putting on this, and there's 18 songs in our musical convention. So we're going to have 18 programs, 18 one-hour sessions, talking about each song. So, for example, the second song is "You Can't Get There From Here." Well, all the delegates were going to go to Philadelphia to to meet, but they couldn't get there because the transportation system was so bad, or it rained and the roads became muddy. All the rest of that. So, we set the scene. We talk about who the delegates were, what the issues were that they were facing. I'm proud of it. And so, the, the again, the name of this is "Becoming America." America is a perfect idea. 
the United States of America is a work in progress. And I think that that defines who we are. Of course, we've had problems. We've had problems from the outset, certainly slavery. I even found out that George Washington owned 170 slaves. At least when he died, he freed his 170 slaves. His wife, Martha, by the way, died a few years later. She did not free her 70 slaves upon her death. But, uh, you know, yes, slavery was a hideous thing. And, and that's the blemish on who we are. We're not perfect, but America is perfect. America is a perfect idea. The United States of America is run by imperfect people. It is imperfect, but we are becoming America. We are a work in progress. So it's our government. If it's not working, it's our fault. We have to do what we can. So we've ended, ended up talking about things that are working, like drug courts, like peer courts, like our inner court. I've been involved in these things. I'm doing what I can. I'm trying to spur a conversation. I'm trying to get people to, to discuss topics with each other. Go back over the time. Listen again. You, you understand where we're from www.voiceamerica.com backslash show backslash the numbers 3883 and uh, spread the word. Help us spread the conversation. Help us address issues. Uh, go to my book, if you will. Also, it's the same title as here. Uh, it's been published recently, and I'm proud to say that it discusses 12 different issues from a libertarian standpoint. These are what we try to do. So mentoring our children. What can we do as adults more importantly, other than raising our own children, is helping mentor our children. Peer Court does that. It, in fact, resulted in my first musical, Americans All, which is the theme of here at All Rise. You know, it, it uh, is the theme song performed by the Irvine High School, and it ends with justice for all is our foremost creed and liberty is our cry. With education as the key for us, our successes multiply. Opportunities are real, dreams can can come true. Equality is coming true. This life is real, it's not idealized. So salute red, white, and blue. Americans all, Americans all. I'm proud to have shared this with you. Please, every Friday, go back on demand. This is Judge Jim Gray on this show, here to discuss ideas, here to spread the word. Contact me if you wish, www.judgejimgray.com. I will answer. I thank you for listening. I thank you for having been with us these past 91 episodes. I'm certainly anxious to continue the conversation. Find us on becoming America, which is exactly what's happening, particularly during these difficult times, particularly when we're yelling at each other. We have this cancel culture going on all around us. There's a lot of bad things that are happening, but as we show, we accent here on All Rise, there's a lot of good things happening as well. So that's my thought. I know we're ending a little bit early, but go to, in fact, the time remaining on this hour, go to www.judgejimgray.com and uh, interact. This is what we have to do. And I will end this by the last encore of our musical convention, which was an opportunity for Ben Franklin. After the final curtain went down, Ben Franklin, who was our moderator on the show, came out, the curtain opened again, motioned George Washington out and said, well, George, don't you think that there have been eavesdroppers while we've had our constitutional convention? And Washington said, well, you know, dropping your eaves, that's, that's got to hurt. Well, wait a minute, manager, put up some candle power out there. Are there any? Oh, really? There are people out there. Look, there's an audience here. Wow. You know, George says, they sure have better teeth. Yeah. And Ben Franklin says, yeah, better eyeglasses too. And Franklin leans down to someone in the front row. What year is this? Oh, it's 2020. Well, George, it's something like 200 something years, 230 years later. These these are our ancestors. These are our, our beneficiaries of what we've done. Is there anything, George, you'd like to tell them? And George Washington said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I would. They say you like to call us founding fathers. Our portraits are still in your history books. To that, we'd like to say we're deeply honored and glad to see the artists captured our good looks. But if we're the fathers, you're our sons and daughters with some greats and grands appended, that's for sure. And though we never met you, we knew you'd be coming along someday. So we wrote this constitution to keep you safe and strong the American way. George Washington pointing at the audience, 
keep it alive, see that it thrives and pass it along again. But open your eyes, you've got to be wise, you've got to be strong, and then teach your children well, maybe even tell them of your founding fathers, how your sons and daughters carried it through a hundred or two perilous years to hand it to you. Again, George Washington, Ben Franklin saying, for now you, you are the people. It's you. You are the we. It's yours, your constitution. It belongs to you and me. More cast members coming out saying you. You are the people. It's you. You are the we. It's yours, your constitution for this land of the free. Carry it forward. Carry it on. Protect and defend it in keeping it strong. And when there is weakness, amend if you must, but harbor no meekness, defending this trust. For now the whole cast looking at the audience, passing the torch on to them. For you, you are the people. It's you. You are the we. It's yours, your constitution for this land of the free curtain. It's up to us. It's our government. If it isn't working, it's our fault. We have to take more of an active part. Remember Thomas Jefferson, who said, if we are to guard against ignorance and remain free, it is the responsibility of every America of every American to be informed. It's our responsibility. We are the we. It's up to us. It's, just, it's in our hands. Let's pass it along to our children like we are becoming America. America is a perfect idea. Let's make it again that city on the hill. Let's make it that guiding force around the world because we're better than this. We'll close Guantanamo. We'll repeal the so-called Patriot Act. Take, get rid of these infringements on our freedoms. I investigated, I researched the delegates to the Constitutional Convention. They bickered, they fought, they debated about lots and lots of things. But the thing that all 55 delegates agreed upon was the most important function of government is keeping and protecting our liberties from the encroachment of government. I think that they would be very upset with us on how we have allowed our liberties to be encroached by our governments. We need to bring our liberties back. We are again to be becoming America. America is a perfect idea. Yes, the United States of America is still a work in progress. Let's make it better than we can when we leave it than when we found it. So this is Judge Jim Gray again, thanking you, thanking you as our family of all rise, employing libertarian values, discussing ideas openly, honestly, fairly, fully, without yelling at each other, understanding that we have so many things in common, be it our world's religions, our people, we care about people, we want them to thrive. That's what we do on All Rise. It has been my effort. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you've learned from it. I know I have. I wish you well, and I sign off this show like I have all of the others before it, saying life is good. Why do I say that? Because it truly is. Enjoy it, savor it, and leave it better than we found it. Thank you again. I wish you well. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.